Last summer, I learned that one of my hidden handicaps is something called central auditory processing disorder. But among other things, having CAPD, central auditory processing disorder, means that I can hear things fairly well when I'm focused, but throw in a few distractions and I'll often miss the beginnings of sentences or key words in what people are saying. Now, in the tradition of opposites attracting, my husband's five senses work in constant hyperdrive. So that to say that my disorder challenges him is an understatement. When we go to a movie, his powerful senses are concentrated on the screen so that when I then miss a key word and ask, what did she say? Bam! The dramatic magic is smashed into bits. In that brief interlude, one of us gets clarity and the other one gets annoyed. For me, two disconnected thoughts are now bridged, and Brian just gets a disappointing bridge back to reality. Well, we're faced with an interlude in today's passage from Acts 1, and we have no say about what's on one side of the bridge, but we do have some say in what's on the other. So picture this bridge in your mind. On one side are Jesus' actions during his life, actions directed by the Spirit of God and the power of his connection with God. Across the bridge, on the other side of this gap, are the future actions of Jesus' followers. The bridge is the Holy Spirit. It connects Jesus on one side to the church on the other. Today, though, we're in the gap underneath the bridge, the gap between Jesus' promise and the fulfillment of that promise. Sometimes promises are easily made and easily broken. One pastor remembers being greatly annoyed by an elderly church member who fell asleep during his sermon every Sunday. Now, eventually you get used to this as a pastor, but he was a novice. So after the service one day, he said to the man's grandson, who always accompanied his grandfather, if you can keep the old man awake, I'll pay you a dollar. Well, this worked for two weeks. The aged man was very alert and listened attentively to the sermons. On the third Sunday, though, there he was, up to his old tricks, sound asleep in the pew. After the service, the pastor called the little boy over and said, I'm disappointed in you. Didn't I promise you a dollar a week to keep your grandfather awake? And the boy said, yeah, but Grandpa gives me five not to disturb him. When better opportunities happen along, we may walk away from our promises, like we walk away from an elevator that has just delivered us to our requested floor. God, unlike us, is not a promise breaker. 
The Bible is full of God's of stories of God's promises of deliverance from slavery, of presence and of new life, and each time God promises, God delivers. God always keeps these promises. Jesus too has not been a promise breaker. So now as he tells his followers to not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father, we, the readers, hope that the same will be true. But if we place ourselves in the place of Jesus' followers, we really don't know. We're stuck in that gap. Wait, the disciples were told. Wait, we're told. Wait till the balloons come down. Wait through a TV season to find out the winner of American Idol. Wait for the results of medical tests. Wait for relief and some new degree of normalcy following the end of a relationship or the death of someone we love. Do you know anyone who likes waiting? I couldn't think of anyone. Waiting makes us feel anxious because we're not in control of the situation. We're at the mercy of the cashier or the traffic or sometimes our own uncontrollable emotions. And maybe you've noticed this in yourself. I've noticed it in me that when I feel out of control in one area, I want to take control in another So when I'm feeling out of control in one area, then I want to organize some clutter. Or I want to spend some money. And so I know, you know, I can buy something that I have control over. I'm not saying that that's healthy, by the way. (laughs) We, We want to take control of something to maybe even wrest it from someone or something to ease our anxiety. One high-powered executive was being admitted to the hospital. He was barking orders left and right, just like he was used to doing at the office. And that worked until he reached the desk of this small, mild-mannered lady. And as anyone who goes into the hospital knows, you get this strip of paper. And she took that with the man's information on it and fastened it around his wrist before he could react to that. But then he demanded, what's this for? That replied the woman, is so we won't give you to the wrong mommy when you leave. (laughs) Having to wait makes us ornery. In an article in Christian Century, Will Willimon, who is a United Methodist bishop, was reflecting theologically on his encounter with a chainsaw this past New Year's Eve. I won't give you the gory details, but he did write, patient is the dumbest name for someone like me in pain. It's like we've lost the spiritual means to know how to be sick. I worry about physicians and others who spend their days subjected to people such as me, who, when experiencing pain and the inconvenience that comes with being mortals and not gods, have no purpose in life other than to to demand Fix me and do it now with no risk or responsibility on my part 
so I can go on living my life the same as before I got sick. He challenges us to consider God as more than a member of the health care delivery team and to consider the sort of God whom we address when we pray and the possible cost of asking this God, how then shall I live now that I am sick? This is our question in the gap between Jesus' departure and the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. We have this to look forward to next week, Pentecost. But how then shall we live in this gap between knowledge of the past and uncertainty about the future? Can we trust God that the promise will be fulfilled? Can we trust God to be with us as we wait? A stock broker is the the traditional intermediary between us and our portfolio. There's a gap between the time when a stock broker hears our request to purchase stocks and when those shares become ours. In that gap, we're waiting for the somewhat diminished power of those stocks to be transferred to us. A real estate broker is the intermediary between the buyer and the seller of property. Buying real estate is not like buying a Dr. Pepper at the convenience store. When you carry the drink to the counter and pay the cashier, the drink is yours, and you can open it and take a sip. There are gaps of waiting when involved in a real estate transaction. Think of Jesus as our power broker. That term usually has negative implications, but instead see Jesus as the intermediary between his Father's powerful love and us, his followers. Jesus has to step out of the picture for God's power to be transferred to us. Otherwise, we would continue to depend on him for power and compassion and healing and spiritual revolution. Without Jesus in one place only, his power is multiplied. And what a relief, because we need help. We need major help to accomplish spreading the good news of God's love to all the nations. This is a great Baptist passage here. Spread not just to the city, Jerusalem, not just to the surrounding nations, Samaria and Judea, but to the ends of the earth, everywhere around the world. The picture we have today of Jesus' ascension is not something explainable. One group of scholars says it is clear in the account of Jesus' ascension that the church struggled to voice a reality that ran beyond all its explanatory categories. And so we don't want to domesticate the ascension such that it curbs the wonder and the wildness of this text. The Bible is not shy 
about pushing us beyond our own comprehension. And this ascension of Jesus is not the first ascension in the Bible of a faithful follower of God. To those who are studied in the Hebrew scriptures, or what we call the Old Testament often, several aspects of this passage bring to mind Moses, like the 40 days of instruction that Moses gave the Israelites, and Jesus here gives the disciples. And the cloud into which Jesus ascended is reminiscent not only of the cloud into which Moses entered to converse with God, but the cloud on the mountain of transfiguration, where we also encountered the figures of Moses and Elijah, another great prophet of the Hebrew Scriptures. Moses and Elijah were there apparently to give Jesus their blessing from the law and the prophets. And Elijah, too, was said to be taken up into heaven. His disciple, Elisha, asked for and received a double share of his prophetic power at that time. And so because of this biblical history, we're encouraged that God will keep these promises of power too. While the Holy Spirit is the bridge connecting Jesus' actions to the church's actions after Pentecost— That doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is absent during this intermission. The Spirit of God has been from the beginning and will continue to be our indispensable source and resource. I liked that from Noel Lee Erskine. The Spirit of God is our indispensable source and resource of power. How then will we live? As we wait for this newer power, we do have the power to decide that while we're waiting. But first, I want to suggest a few things to avoid while we wait. We would be better off to not pine away for what was on the side of the bridge that we knew, the past. I don't mean to forget the past. I think it's important to remember it, but to remind ourselves, perhaps, that the past will not return. It will not help us in the gap to blame someone else, including God, for bringing us to this gap of uncertainty. We also would be wise to avoid planning our revenge on said group or God or people. So what can we do? How then shall we live in the gap between Ascension and Pentecost? Since we so like being busy, we can pray actively and actively listen for God's guidance We can imagine how life would feel if we gave God more power over our daily lives. We can review some of the powerful actions of Jesus that have given us hope that his promises too will be fulfilled. We can contemplate what we would do if we were as empowered with the Spirit of God as Jesus 
But lest we stay in our minds, we can give to others as Jesus has given to us. Caring presence and a listening ear. Perhaps it would be financial help. Perhaps a note of encouragement. The options are many as we wait. Most news stories have power at play, it appears to me. Power over land is ever an issue in the Middle East. Thinking about a couple of headlines from this week, Michael Vick's release brings to mind the power of one dog over another in a dog fight, of one dog owner over another due to a dog fight, or of one team over another on the football field. Alfred Dow's sad story suggests we believe that power is found in having and spending money. And last week's earthquake reminds us of how little power we really do have. Power from God may not be as obviously accessible, and we may have to wait for it, but it is also ever available. We're in the gap between Jesus' promise and the fulfillment of that promise. Next Sunday at Pentecost, we'll begin to experience a new form of the Spirit of God. It changed the disciples, and it changes us. But until then, we're in control of how we live in the gap. The drama has been interrupted. We are waiting. How then shall we live? Let's pray. Holy God, we ask you for help in knowing how we shall live. We invite your guidance. Make us stop when we need to so that we might pay attention to you and be led by you. We pray for patience in the gap as we are waiting and watching for the fulfillment of your promise. We pray for love in the gap, that we might feel your love, your loving presence, and that we might then share that with others who need to know you as well. We pray these things in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who gives us all power through you. Amen.